A massive thanks for joining us today. You're going to hear from Jack Jiggins, who's interviewing a number of panellists focused on purchasing opportunities in property post-COVID-19. So thanks for listening to this recording. From a lot of people that have done multiple individual transactions to, to multiple um, what I'd like to call larger transactions and also individuals that have been through more than one cycle, which I think is key for us, especially me, uh, to know what, what, what sort of trends we should be looking at and what we should be doing to protecting our, our businesses and our investors' money. So without further ado, um, I'll introduce the panel. I'll try and not use surnames because we have two Howards uh, as, a, as a surname on the panel. Uh, but we'll go through, hopefully we'll get a nice introduction to um, who they are and what they've been up to. And in this process, while we've got our own pre-lodged questions, which are fairly generalised, please do have a think. And if there's anything specific that you would like to ask the panellists, please do ask. Um, Brendan's going to keep, hopefully, the camera on all the speakers. Mute yourself if you're not speaking. Evidently, someone did share their screen, but I think that was accidental. Um, and yeah, let's let's get cracking. So to start off, we have Dorian. Dorian, so when you give an overview, some people in this group may know of you, some may not. So keep it fairly straightforward and, and uh, let's let's hear about what, what uh, your background and, and what you've been up to. Sure, hi, can you hear me well, yeah? Yeah, loud and clear. Perfect. Hi everyone, how are you doing? So my name's Dorian Payne and I'm based in South Wales. I'm co-founder of a property development company called Castell Group and we specialise in collaborating with private investors to develop and deliver high quality social and disabled homes. So we predominantly develop sites between seven and 20 homes in size. Uh, we currently have approximately just shy of 200 homes in the pipeline. And we do that by working with registered social uh, landlords and registered providers. And yeah, so that, that's pretty much what we do. And really looking forward to today. Thank you for having me on. Uh, can't wait to share some of my, uh, what we've been up to and how we structure things. Fantastic, very good to hear. So I'll be definitely keen to hear about how you structure and, and source and, and, and do your deals. Um, second in line, because we're going alphabetically, we have Mr. Jay Howard. Morning, everybody. Good morning, Jay. How are you? Uh, keeping well, keeping well. I haven't slept for a couple of days. I'm, I've been on baby duty this weekend. So yeah, but uh, been looking forward to this. Uh, been looking forward to this chat for a while. So yeah, good to be here. Good. So, can you give for the people that are on this call that don't know um, who you are and your back background, speciality, and a bit of an insight to what sort of deals you're doing? Yep, sure. So uh, my name is Jay Howard. I've been in property for 18 years this year. <clears throat> um, I started off uh, at a estate agency, moved through to development. Um, then um, did property consultancy. Uh, property consultancy, I was handling about £3.3 billion worth of um, uh, real estate. Um, I've got three degrees. First one I started when I was 11 was psychology. 17, I did classics and 22, I did law. Um, I'm an auction specialist, so I've worked six years at a central London um, auction company. Uh, I still uh, keep my, my feet firmly in auctions, so I buy and sell through auctions, and I do business development for a national auction brand as well. Um, <clears throat> I specialize in creative um, purchasing and deal structure, multiple exit strategies. I like short leases, commercial mixed use, 
uh, anything where I can add significant value in a short period of time. Amazing. Thank you very much, Jay. I think Jay is similar to, similar to what we do in our business. We look at the deal and, and find a way to make it work rather than having a specific strategy, which I think is key and going to benefit you in, in this current climate because you're finding creative ways with a specific shape of, of, of deal. Jack, uh, Jack, so, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Look, uh, lots of you asking about the rooms three, four, five. Um, please, can I just ask you to let me know those at, uh, from about 11.40 or uh, 10.40 onwards. So just to help with the admin, um, it's just rooms one and two. So 10.40, please, onwards. So if you mention rooms three, four, five, I won't be able to schedule those in until 10.40. Jack, uh, just a bit of heads up as well. We're just waiting for John Howard. John, to John's the in the call. room. John's in the room. Okay, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Brendan. So keep, keep an eye on the message tab uh, chat there if, uh, regarding the rooms. Brendan will keep posting which ones uh, you can potentially go in. Um, thanks very much, Jay. I would like to add, if I had an 11-year-old child, the worst degree they, they, I could probably wish for them to do is psychology. <laughs> I feel like the, the, the parenthood childhood would flip around pretty quickly at that point. It got um, messy very quickly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a beard at that age as well? No, this is new, but I, it's got out of control. I look like I've just crawled off the side of a mountain. So I apologise for my appearance at the moment. But <laughs> lockdown does things to us all, I'm afraid. I'm growing a moustache for the first time, so I like it. I like it. Thanks very much, Jay. So, so some really key specific questions for Jay are potentially tricky deals and a deal that you adopt that is tricky or may need a bit more creativity is certainly uh, certainly Jay's forte. So. Um, John, I hope, to, hope not to throw you in at the deep end, but I, I know you probably like a challenge anyway. Um, if you could, if you could uh, switch your unmute on, or if Brendan could do that. Um, so we're still going in alphabetical order. From someone that's doing uh, what I'd like to say, a lot of individual high transactional deals, um, and probably pretty proactive, as we like to say, because you get shorter timeframes with the auction. Cool. Moving on to someone that's probably doing a larger... Uh, sweeping deals. Is John still there? He's dropped out. No problem. We'll move on to we'll move on to Neil for now and we'll come back to back to John. So good morning Neil. Do you want to give everyone a bit of an insight of who you are and, and what you've been up to? Morning Jack. Good morning everyone. Uh, thanks very much for inviting me on. Really enjoying this already. Uh, so my name is Neil Chowdhury. Uh, and in fact, prior to property, I was a professional golfer and an ex-England international golfer as well. Golf was my life for many years until I retired in 2016 and decided to focus on property. Uh, sorry, retired in 2018 and decided to focus on property. Um, I went through uh, mastermind training with Simon Zucci for a year, where I finished as one of the top performers. And we specialise in student accommodation primarily in Leicester. Uh, it's primarily student HMOs, but we're also moving into student studio uh, sector as well. We also specialize in adding value to our deals and achieving high end valuations in very short amounts of time. And we do that through a number of ways, including very detailed uh, valuation packs as well. So that's a little bit about myself. Thank you very much, Neil. And that's gonna be pretty key in these uh 
what I like to call, call uh, times where you've got to salvage a fairly decent valuation and, and valuation packs do do certainly mean a lot. And it's always, always very difficult to, to get across as a non-dictatorship valuation, but more as just a, an assistance with surveyors. That's right, yeah. So uh, first thing is to never call us a value pack. I produce digital ones which I'm able to email in advance and I just call them things like project overviews or information overviews. And as you say, it's, it's important not to be too di dictatorial. Um, we just provide the information, have a structure to it. So our value packs are about 80 pages long, so they are very detailed. Um, but there is a structure I go through every time. Um, and it, it seems to really help on our own deals and for some other investors that I teach as well. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much, Neil. So potentially questions for Neil would be more along the investment portfolio um, and how he structures those and, and makes the most efficient business uh, from that. Thanks very much, Neil. I think Ms. John Howard's with us now. John, I am, Jack. Can good you hear me? Good morning. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm sorry, yeah. I had a few technical issues this morning, but your business partner, Ben, helped me out dramatically, sorted <laughs> me out. Good. No problem at all. No problem at all. So you've been on the call a few weeks in a row now. So yes, I'm, yes I'm, I must be doing something right, Ben. So, um, Jack, what so do you reckon? So I'd like to think most people on this call would have, would have a bit of an idea of, of who you are, but we, we're, yeah. we're up to uh, 112 participants this week. So do you want to give Fantastic. a bit of an overview to people that may not know uh, who you are okay. and what you've been up to to, to uh, inspire some, some fruitful questions? <laughs> okay, so um, John Howard, I've been a, a developer and investor for 40 years. In that time, I bought and sold over 3,500 properties. I'm still going. I've just finished it. Thank goodness I finished it, by the way. Timing is everything in property, by the way. Don't forget that. Um, I've just finished 150 flats, 27 million project in Ipswich. Um, and uh, we're going through some very interesting times. I've, I've survived three property recessions. Everyone says to me, this is different to the others, which it is. The way it's happened is different, but the outcome may well be the same. There we go. There we go. So we've We've, we've, we've got a further array in, and I think uh, John's going to be providing maybe some more insights on trends and telltale signs and, and where things are going, hopefully. Okay, okay. Got, got my notepad ready. Right, thanks. And last but not least, we have Pat Conlon. Are you, can you unmute yourself, Pat? So this is the first time that I've... Um, ever had any engagement with Pat on, on any of events. So Pat, do you want to give everyone here that doesn't know who you are a bit of a background on yourself and, and what you've been up to? Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm uh, probably what you might call a mainstream developer. And then uh, I, after the last recession, I uh, developed a partnership model. Uh, so I partner with people. I've got uh, just under 50 units under construction at the moment uh, in the Northwest. Uh, I have an interest in 2,000 residential units plus uh, retail in the Isle of Dogs. Um, I've been looking at the Dublin market, which might be interesting, although I know there probably aren't many people uh, engaged there, but it's uh, very interesting for a host of reasons. 
Uh, so I've been looking at that for the last 12 months and I've got uh, a few deals lined up to buy almost finished uh, units, sell on to a fund together with uh, a site I'm assembling for a PRS fund uh, and a couple of schemes in London, in West London and the Isle of Dogs again, which are unconditional. Obviously, this is not an easy time to be uh, kicking off with deals, but uh, more about that later, I guess. Yeah, well, I, th I think while we're while we're on you, uh, Pat, we'll we'll utilise the, uh, the the camera space and and you being ready there, and we'll we'll go back in in reverse through the panel, uh, and I think we'll jump straight into the detail and what everyone wants to hear really about how the more experienced uh, people in the market are adapting and and what they've been up to. So the first question is is a two part question really, and we'll we'll start with you and and go through the panel. Um, so what has been your, your purchasing techniques and structuring techniques to date? Um, and then the second part of the question is, due to the changes in, in the re recent market, including COVID-19 surveyors not being able to go out, bank uncertainty, uh, maybe transactions slowing down, um, and the, obvi the, the, the most obvious uh, difference is the lockdown, so we can't physically do, it, do any meetings or, or, or gatherings. So. First question is, is what has your purchasing technique and structure been up to date? And the second question is, how has that changed and how can people that are listening make, you know, make those changes in their business if they've got similar um, changes? So it's what you've been up to before and how you've, you've tweaked them uh, to, to keep making acquisitions or keep growing. Well, for many years, uh, when I started in the business, uh, there was the model that was uh, commonplace really was uh, you would get uh, an investor to partner with you or use your own cash or a bit of both and then you would uh, go to a bank. Um, for many years it was relatively easy to do a 50-50 deal where the investor would take 50% of the deal and the developer would have 50%. That all changed after 08, or at least as far as my experience goes, it changed. And uh, so the deals that I've done, uh, most of the, the bigger deals, certainly, uh, since 08, 09, have been uh, to fund with a large fund, uh, pretty uh, safe and secure, give them let them have most of the profits uh, but if the deal is the deal is bigger deal is big enough is big enough that, that you can ride out all sorts of uncertainties and also of course there were no banks after 08 uh, until the various challenger banks came along but there were no banks doing large deals like bank of scotland rbs etc had been doing before that um the other um yeah, so that's um, now about three or four years ago, uh, the the mark maybe a bit longer, the market changed and then a number of banks, some of them challenger banks or mainly challenger banks, uh, came back in. So then the original model that I mentioned was applicable again, and we're using that in uh, different places. Uh, the, the, I think the, I would go for safety in the current climate. 
uh, I would go for safety first. Make sure you partner with somebody who is not going to run out of money, who is not going to come uh, looking for the money back too soon. Uh, I'm talking here about development. I'm talking also about brownfield sites without planning, bought on conditionally. Uh, obviously, the model for HMOs and buy-to-lets and such like would be different and I wouldn't have thought would change much, but the, I think the rule would still apply. Uh, be, be, go for safety first rather than maximizing your profit share and go with partners who can stay in for the long haul. I think very important. I think another part of that question. It does, it does. But it does. I think, I think the, the, the sort of main, the main key tip there is, is uh, forward plan more so than, than just over a couple of years and have someone that's got a bit of a cash reserves for, for the long run. Um, but ha having a longer plan than maybe, maybe some might, may set out to have. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, the important thing is to, if you're looking for investment partners, partner up with uh, funds, you know, structured funds rather than uh, the smaller individuals, a lot of whom do uh, come into the property market. Uh, I think that's going to be very important. But another thing about uh, one of the questions that Brendan uh, put in the email was uh, strategies. I think the problem with strategies, with something like this, th this is in many ways it will be like the last few recessions but in a very significant way it is totally different and i think to try and second guess what's going to happen um some scientist uh, said one time forecasting is always difficult and never more so than when it concerns the future so to try and predict what is going to happen in this situation, which we haven't had for about a hundred years, uh, is I think uh, well foolhardy uh, because none of us can. I think what you have to do is be very watchful because the um, there will certainly be a time of opportunity. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so uh, you have to take the view that this too will pass, uh, and I suspect that a lot of people will have got used to the lockdown conditions and got into a form of uh, downbeat mode depression if you want to go that far uh, and suddenly the market will have turned and a lot of people will not have spotted it or they'll be waiting to make sure it's really established and by that time it will be too late i think you need to be staying active staying alive and alert and watching out for the opportunities because there will be opportunities there there's no doubt about that and also not everybody takes the view we are dealing with the partner at the moment on what is quite a large could be 700 to a thousand units in dublin here for a prs scheme and they are taking the view that now is the time to prepare for when we come out of this lockdown not sit around doing nothing until we come out and then scramble along with everybody else to get deals together do your homework now and be ready to come out of the traps 
uh, like a rocket when things change, because change they will. Yeah, no, fantastic. I think that was a. If I if I could uh, if I could blurb or synopsis that 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 short and sweet overview up, um, it would be very useful. Pr pretty much nail on the head there. Keep active. I see a lot of people saying, "Oh, I'm getting bored," and I'm thinking there's so many things that we're now doing in our business which we haven't had time for before, but we're also prepping that foundation so much. You know, pulling in resources, understanding our bandwidth, making efficiencies where we can. So I think I think that was a, a a true insight there, and I could see I could see John Howard nodding away there. So I'm sure he'll have some points to to add on. Um, but without jumping to John, John I'd like a, a, a well, I'd like Neil to to sort of cover off uh, that same question. So that to, to reiterate the question of anyone that's joined recently, because the numbers have just gone up. The question is, uh, what are your your purchasing techniques up to date? Um, and how so that part one and then part two how may have that changed and what are you doing in terms of change um, because of the COVID-19 yeah absolutely so um, so we've been purchasing by uh, we refinance our house actually to start with to raise some capital then we use investor funds to uh, complete the refurbishment elements of our properties and we're able to refinance at much higher values and, and go again and in a relatively short amount of time, we've been able to build a, you know, a small size portfolio of high-end student accommodation uh, by using that technique. Um, we've traditionally used bridging finance, uh, and then that's enabled us to do heavy refurbs on the properties and to refinance the properties very quickly uh, as soon as the refurbs are complete. Um, in terms of how we've had to adapt to the times, um, I'm in an unusual position where I'm actually quite enjoying kind of being at home, a bit like you've just mentioned actually, having the time to implement the stuff that we've maybe putting off or not quite had time to do. So some of the heavy work that does take a bit of time and focus, um, we've kind of been able to do now. So I'm quite enjoying the lockdown from my perspective. From a student's perspective, um, we haven't yet been affected by what's happening. Our students are still remaining in our student houses uh, for the remainder of this academic year. That is now the government's advice. Uh, they're advising students to try and re remain in their accommodation, not return home uh, if possible. Our biggest challenge will probably be 2020-2021 academic year if the universities don't reopen in September, um, which is still quite likely at this stage. Hope, hopefully not. Uh, I think there will be some kind of phased approach to getting people back out. And if that includes any uh, phasing by age, then students obviously uh, will be one of the first ones out. Um, in terms of our business itself, We've actually, we're in the process of increasing our liquidity. Um, so we've traditionally tried to keep three months cash reserves in our business. We've decided we're gonna up that to six months just as a bit of a safety net, uh, especially at the moment where we're not able to actually go out and buy. It's a good time just to build up those cash reserves. Uh, and as Patrick says, you're then in a better position uh, the other side of coronavirus, whether that be in a few months time, or uh, early on next year when uh, things return to normal. 
Interesting. So the changes you're you're making is you're you're stockpiling a bit more cash than you'd normally keep in for, that you'd probably spend on growth or, or or pull out the business. That's right. So we're not we're doing that actually just by um, just retaining profits rather than using any schemes. I know a lot of people are talking about mortgage holidays at the moment um, as a way to increase liquidity. Um, but we're really avoiding taking any mortgage holidays, um, not least because we haven't actually been affected by, by the situation yet. Uh, and we do have the reserves in place anyway. Um, and I'm not sure what other panelists' views are on, on mortgage holidays, but uh, I think it's a, it's a last resort rather than something to be taken advantage of. Yeah, I, I think we, we have touched on, on mortgage holidays and coming up next is John, and I'm sure he will... Uh, he, he will probably touch on that, but my input from the previous discussions from previous uh, specialists in these areas is from an investment portfolio perspective, you're technically kicking the can down the road because your, your profit is your income and your costs is your mortgage. So <coughs> if you lay them, you're still going to pay for them. Yeah. Whereas short-term development finance, I'm sure John will, will touch on, you're, you're forward-fronting and pausing things with your profit at the back end. So it may make sense for... For a shorter term development um, just before i get distracted and thank you very much neil for, for the overview i think that was uh, a great insight for more probably property portfolio owners and, and property investors more so than, than developers um, but before i do forget um pat i don't know if you've heard of gavin gallagher who's also been on brendan's brendan's calls and brendan's events he's very active in in dublin and just as a uh, someone I thought of when you said you're doing a PRS scheme to sell to investment in Dublin, it might be worth that Brendan makes an introduction there for you. Um, so moving on to John, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm worried about the big build-up, Jack, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you'll live it up to it. I'm sure Brendan will put the camera on you. And, and last yeah. week you discussed about uh, some interesting factors, cost of debt, unemployment, um, and, and activeness in the market, but could you give everyone a bit of an overview of, um, I suppose, what, what your purchasing techniques have been up to to date, what changes you're making in your business, and also maybe a little bit of an insight on some telltale signs or, or what you're seeing in the market. Okay, Jack, well, Jack, uh, sorry, John, yeah. I, I can't find you under your name, so what name are you on the iPhone. meeting? iPhone. I iPhone. I was under. I I had a bit of a problem checking in, and Ben very kindly helped me. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. Hopefully, ah, that's it. Yeah. There, are. there he is. We're on. Okay. So first of all, Neil, I can see why you were top of the form in Simon Zucci's. Uh, who who I very much admire, Simon. Good guy. I can see why you were top of the form. Clearly, very bright, and um, you've obviously found it fairly relatively easy to do what you've done because uh, you are top of the form. What we've got to remember is, is not everyone is as bright as Neil and or, or a good golfer as Neil, clearly. Um, so, you know, it, when people like Neil speak, it, it, they make it sound quite easy or very easy. And of course it isn't. And um, Neil's done a, a great, great job. Pat, by the way, great, fantastic experience, Pat. I really enjoyed listening to what you said and I had to really agree with it. I mean, we just don't know what's going to happen. But what we can say is this, that um, unemployment really does 
control the housing market in many ways. So obviously, the more people that are out of work, uh, they can't buy. But not just that. It does cause so much anxiety amongst the rest of the population because um, they're concerned. They may be concerned about their own employment, but just the negativity surrounding unemployment figures going up gives everyone um, um, the worry. The worry that um, even if they, they want to sell their property, they can't, they can't move and so on. Of course, really, most of that's a load of rubbish because actually, if you already own a property, does it really matter what you get for your property? Because if you're buying another one, you get 50,000 less for yours, you're buying a bigger property, you may be getting that 100,000 cheaper than it was. So as long as you're in the market, it actually doesn't matter what the market does. If you want to move, you should just move on the domestic basis because it makes no difference. Why put your life on hold for, for, for potentially two or three years? It's crazy. You want to move, move. Doesn't make any difference to you. If you're a first time buyer, it's great news because, okay, um, the market may drop a bit further if you if you leave it six months and then buy or something, but it's going to come back. And if you're a buy to let investor, which, you know, let's face it, it's pretty bloody boring at the end of the day. Um, it's a bit like owning shares 20 years time. You know, it doesn't matter whether they dropped 18 years ago or not, because in 20 years time, they're worth a lot more than they were now, probably. So at the end of the day, you're on long term loan. The bank can't take it off you. You're very safe. You can sleep at night. You probably find what you probably worry about across the road as well, but you don't need to worry because it's a very, very safe investment buy to let. So the, that leaves the rest of us. That leaves me. That leaves Pat. That leaves me and people like us who, okay, I'm sure Pat's got a lot of property investment properties like I have and like other people like us. So when we say we're developers, we are developers, but we also have other strings to our bow. I expect Pat's got commercial, for instance, like I have, as well as residential and commercial, you know, commercial um, tenants just haven't been, haven't been paying, basically, although the residentials have, up till now, all of us, I think, have done well residentially with our rents. But of course, that can all change as soon as we, you know, we come out of furlough. Are these people going to lose their jobs? If they are, how long would it be till they get money from the government? Are they going to move back to mum and dad? you know our rent our rentals going to go down are we going to get less rent for me i never worry too much about the rent i get that might sound crazy i want my property occupied 12 months of the year what i don't want is to be smart and clever up charge too much rent get it rented uh, slower and then they move out because it's too much and they've gone and bought something or rented somewhere cheaper and i've got the void because if you have more than one month void a year you might as well stick at the lower rent some of the biggest property companies in the, in the country that rent property out are never that competitive on their rents. And that's the reason. They're looking for 95, 98% occupancy, not 80% occupancy. So please bear that in mind. So going forward, banks are going to lend you less money. They're going to be more cautious, you know, to everybody. It doesn't matter how experienced we are, they're going to be more cautious. From my point of view, I'm, look, I'm, not, I'm looking to buy to buy quickly, in and out very quickly, so that if the market does drop a lot further, I'm in and out of it. I can in and out within two, three, four months, trading, that sort of stuff, auctions and so on. Or 
very long term because you're very long term actually you know if you've got a five-year project and you're starting it now and it's not really ready or planning and so on with it for five years then actually you probably don't need to worry either it's that middle section the one to three year section i think where you know when it's if it does slide and if we are going to lose 30 if the economy is going to go down 30 percent um if it is who knows we don't no one knows pat's absolutely right we don't know simple as that um but just because, as i said earlier just because we started off with a different type of property recession or whatever it's going to be doesn't mean it won't end like the others and the others are a reduction in reduction in values a reduction in in banks lending and of course you're vulnerable if the bank comes to you which they have done the last three times to me in the sessions and said oh yeah you were borrowing 60 percent but we've just had your property revalued which you you've got to pay for by the way and we've now decided that you know the value has gone down 20% and we need you to put the extra 20% in please cash if you can't do that we want personal guarantees or we want a mixture of both if you can't do that we'll take it off you so don't think banks won't do that they will if it's not if it's short term they won't if it's longer term they will i'm sure of that so going forward i'm starting a property fund for high net worth individuals uh, with a, a hedge fund guy I know um, and the idea of that is to take advantage of the situation next two three four years time as we go through we're looking to buy portfolios with rental income mainly to trade them so to split them up so buying 100 houses breaking them up splitting them up selling them off to different people some of my mates no doubt and so on um, and um, put some in auction get some vacant put them on the open market and, and looking to make a 20 to 30 percent margin um, by doing so. So, Jack, how's that? Hello? Sorry, I was on mute. Was on mute. Oh, that's um, okay. I was panicking. You didn't hear any of that. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, sorry, I forgot I to say it all over again. We're good. We're good. Very good overview, okay. as, as always. And I think a lot of the people on this call are thinking, how can I become one of John Howard's mates? To get these deals. well quite quite easily you could youtube <laughs> or email me you you know property is all about contact you can never have enough you, you can never know enough people and you can never have enough contacts and you need to be able to pick the phone up and talk to 5 10 15 people who buy terrace houses or 10 or 15 20 people 30 people that buy you know blocks of flats and you know you buy a block of 30 flats you may want to sell 10 before you be, you know before you complete on the whole purchase so you ring your mate up and say hey do you want 10 of these you can have these at x amount da, da, da. bang job done i completely agree i completely we've we've sourced on a few projects and shared a few deals and i've always said to my, my business partner ben the the person buying is more important than the deal doesn't matter how good the deal is the person that's yep. buying is the most important thing and one thing yeah jack one thing is you know nothing sweet in nothing don't screw people down the reason people come to me for deals and the reason they come to me to buy deals off me is because they know there's some margin left in them you know you know there's no point screwing someone to the floor uh, and then expect them to come back in a year's time to buy some more of you they will not so there's nothing sweet in nothing leave something in for the next person don't be greedy especially as pat said in this market you want to get in and out you don't want to be greedy you want to deal with reliable people who you know have got the funds the first thing i ask anyone now is are you cash if you're not cash what you, how much you're borrowing if they want to borrow more than 50 odd percent it's going to be a pain in the ass to me 
Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. So we have some... Jack, Jack, sorry, sorry to interrupt. It's, it's about the room. So if there's anybody who hasn't got themselves allocated, so um, can I just ask you to uh, put that in? Lots of you asking if Pat's got a room. Um, so Pat, I, I've put you into room six. So if anyone, hopefully you can stay on, Pat. If you can, just let me know. Say yes. Can you stay on, Pat? Yes, I'll stay on to the Okay, end. so I've put Pat into room six. So if anyone wants to be in room six, look, I've what? put, just, just a quick heads up, I've put Neil, Neil Chowdhury, into room four. So James Pick of Connection, I think, you know, um, I think that would be a good fit. So because Neil focuses on HMOs, Connections, I, I personally believe is a great fit for HMOs. So that's who I've put Neil into. So um, I, I've created an extra room because there's so much demand today. Um, what, room, what room am I in? Well, I, I will put you in with Pat as well, if that's okay. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Room six can be called wealth of knowledge. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so some huge insights there including one of my favorites and and one that's extremely simple keep a tenant in a property because while it's tenanted it's an asset while it's not it's a liability yeah absolutely don't be greedy don't be greedy there's no need to be greedy in property there's plenty of money for everyone plenty of deals plenty of money you do not need to be greedy trying to screw the last penny because you'll if you do in this market you'll end up on your backside Completely agree. And some other key insights there. If a project's under a year, it's safer if the market drops. If it's between one and three years, you're probably looking pretty risky. If it's yeah. more than three years, like five years plus, it probably wouldn't make a difference anyway. So no, some, I think that's fair. Some yeah. key some key notes there on on pretty you know, I, I, I like the short, short and sweet key tips which which everyone can follow, which is is pretty key. And and again, John reiterated uh, Pat's point of making sure that someone's got good backing, uh, which is also key in this moment, and maybe a bit more pragmatic than than some rigid, uh, you know, bank surveyor relationships. Yeah, I have, can I just say that Jay made a very good point about flexibility, about the, all these strat. I'm sick to death of hearing about bloody strategies, to be honest with you. And what's your strategy, John? All this rubbish. My strategy is to make money out of property. So. <laughs> You've got to be as flexible as you can be. And, you know, people do need to know what you specialize in because that's important, which is for me, mainly blocks of flats. But they still need to know, you, you know, that you're that you can do other things as well. And, and in this market, you have to be adjust and you have to be have some flexibility because what was your strategy as such may not work in this market. Yeah, uh, we're, we're the exact same in, in, our, in our development business, John. People say to me, what's your strategy? And I go, development. They say, but what's your actual strategy? And I go, adding value. And I say, well, what is adding value? And I say, what isn't it? <laughs> easier said than done. Anyway, yeah. moving on to Jay Howard. We, I mean, John touched on auctions. Um, Brendan, could we get the camera on, on Jay's lovely beard? Um, and... I'm keen to hear about what Jay's been up to and what he's keen to be doing because I know someone that's pretty active in the market and I'm keen to what he's going to be hearing about what he's going to be looking at, cautious of. So same question, what have you been up to today and what changes may have you, have you made since COVID-19 hit? 
Um, well, thanks, Jack. Uh, I feel like I've been mugged off being put on after John Howard. I mean, what a bloody uh, act to follow. Jesus, I've been properly done in. Um, can't agree more with what John and Patrick have said. Unfortunately, no, I'm, I'm not a residential investor, so a lot of what you, you do a little bit went over my head there. Um, but it sounded nonetheless impressive. And to be a top five performer on Simon Zucci's is a quality uh, accolade. Uh, my business partner, Piot, was also a top five performer of Simon Zucci's as well. So massive respect for that, that the level of training and commitment you have to put into there. Um, as you know, I, I buy very much on, on an arbitrage basis. So I look for um, creating as much of a discount on existing value of a specific property going in, adding significant value, and then selling at a high. Uh, at the point of selling, it's not really an issue for me because the arbitrage is set in fairly early on. Um, I normally go for properties with severe legal issues. So um, the one I find most sexy are the ones where you cannot legally register yourself as the, the owner of the property at land registry. Um, there's obviously higher risk profile in there, um, but you can pick those up absolutely dirt cheap. Um, I tend to do those ones uh, with a mix of my and investors' money, um, especially for those high-risk um, investments. It's always good that you have skin in the game, um, and uh, I seem to do quite well out of those. Um, I haven't been focusing on them that much recently. Um, as some of you know, we, we, we bought something out of auction in October, uh, some, some workshops where we've got the permitted development through. Um, we, we've had a couple of offers, um, just over three times the purchase price and very few costs involved there. So we're now determining whether we should go for stage two planning and build out uh, or whether we should trade it on. Um, and there's three of us in the deal. One of us is a developer, so has the skills, knowledge and infrastructure to build out. Uh, but two of us are traders. So um, we're very much keen to move on to the next opportunity. Uh, we get itchy feet very, very quickly. Um, at the moment, I'm still looking at short leases. I've been looking at some freehold ground rents in and around um, zone one in London. Um, I am trying to put in as much forethought into not where the market is going or what the market is doing, but what I'm looking to achieve longer term. Um, so if I can buy some uh, freehold brand rents and things like that, um, which are very, very stoic kind of investments that they don't fluctuate very much. Um, obviously, if no one's picked up on it yet, it'll be uh, obviously to, to wait for the air right uh, permitted developments to come through. That may take, I mean, they were trying to get those out in 2016, but between Brexit and a whole load of other mess, it was been put on the back burner. Um, but for the, the low entry cost of most freehold ground rents, I'd be happy to hold 15 or 20 of those in what I would perceive as, as a good um, capital appreciation areas anyway, or where the development would make sense on, on a cost to build out versus profit ratio. Um, I think in this market, um, I'm really relying very heavily on my multiple exit strategies routine, which is... Um, take an asset, find as many angles to it as possible, and then build a flow of exit strategy. So if exit strategy A falls down, move on to B, and at all times when it falls down, your profit margin isn't falling down. If at some time it's even better to do plan C or D, because actually they're more value, but they take longer. So um, as John was saying, uh, if you're in auctions and you like trading, speed is, is, is key. So I prefer a quick in and a quick out. Um, but uh, I'm relying very much on those at the moment. 
Uh, the other thing I'm looking at is uh, back in the day, and I mean way back in the day, about 15 years ago, I used to do packaging. Um, I guess people these days uh, call it sourcing, uh, but sourcing is a very, very light version of what packaging is. So packaging is taking asset A, uh, putting everything in place to add the value and then selling that asset packaged to somebody else. So not quite turnkey, but definitely packaged and moved on. So a couple of varying um, terms there, but I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'll move in to do more of that. I think I've got the knowledge and the experience to, and, and, I want to spread the risk evenly, yeah? So if I'm looking at buying certain asset classes that I perceive a low risk, I'm still looking at doing some riskier deals. So some of the stuff where you cannot register your name at land registry once you, uh, once you pay the deposit and complete. Um, I'm also looking at doing some of the packaging as well because I think that will make me flexible, uh, flexible agile, uh, and be able to act with a degree of alacrity that I think is important in this marketplace. Um, at the same time, um, I've, I've built some connections with some high net worths and we're sitting around a pot of just under 10 million pounds to really go shopping with. Um, for all those who know Ranjan Bhattacharya knows that he, he's a big fan of stating in a, in a downward falling market, you don't want to be catching a falling knife. Um, at that, was the my turn. that was my turn, that was. Did, did he take that from you, John? Yeah, he did. <laughs> and, but he did admit it. To be, sorry, Jay, carry on. No, no, in which case I'll, 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 I'll do sub-quote John Howard as well. I don't, I don't want to take anyone's limelight, of course. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant statement. It really is because I've always followed the philosophy you can only lose money in property at the point of sale, but you can only make money in, auction, uh, in property at the point of purchase. So that's why I always go into it using arbitrage. Um, and I think if you're able to understand your risk profile, um, and, and you understand uh, not really where the market is going. No one's in control of that. But if you have multiple exits, if you have multiple, you know, and I think John brought it up, if you have a really good Rolodex of people that you can rely on, you can call and ask for advice, and you don't act in haste, I think in, in markets like this, people are always looking to act in haste, whether it's buying in haste, whether it's selling in haste. I mean, in the last two years, we've had a massive exodus of landlords leaving the, the the community and the environment so there is an opportunity there's definitely an opportunity for more distressed sellers or more distressed assets entering the marketplace but what i would say is just understand your 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 appetite to risk understand how you're going to create a reward for yourself in that so adding the value um, i trade but only trade once i've added value on something uh, i very rarely flip properties I'm, I'm, I'm not a major fan of it i think it's um I, I just I don't see uh, there's nothing rewarding in it for me I have to feel rewarded so I yeah. buy add value and sell and I think if you're able to add value in 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 what you're what you're doing in property uh oh that's lovely look at this someone's uh someone's Facebook who's this Arvinda <laughs> you're sharing your screen Arvinda no, he's not listening to anyone. It's fine. <laughs> there you go. Good one, Avinda. Um, uh, I, I, I completely lost my track of thought there. Um, hopefully someone got some value out of that rambling or mumbling. You were discussing um, how you very rarely flip, but you, you often trade. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I'm, as, as John says, and it's, it's, people have got to be comfortable saying stuff like this. I'm in property to make money out of property. Um, whether you do that by creating sustainable and and uh, good quality living space for people and you create an environment where they're comfortable and they can live there and la-di-da-di-da, all good, but you have to be doing it to make money. Um, and 
I only really feel motivated to make money if I if I find the the act rewarding uh, and I've obviously found it rewarding for 18 years so hopefully that continues um, but yeah trading um, holding stuff longer term like the freehold ground rents and I'll be looking to buy more problem properties like not not just oh there's a foundation crack or I don't like the look of that bay window or there's a tar missing on the roof I'm looking for real problems like uh, you need to have real skill to solve um, I think there's a couple of questions on here what do you mean you can't legally own it exactly um, uh, I, I, I buy that stuff um, and I enjoy buying it um, so yeah I'm, 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 any questions I'm happy to answer I think that's key. You're getting paid for the for the difference in your value, which is expertise and, and solving that problem. Um, it sounds like you're really active in that you, you, you sort of spread your risk among several projects, which you most likely buy in auction. For some listeners out there that may be looking to do either their first deal or only a couple of deals a year, how can they go about a similar um technique of buying to you without having to do 10 deals for example i i think the the when it comes to doing deals <laughs> arvinda's sharing his screen again you keep pressing the wrong button arvinda uh, it's fine i think when it when it comes to when it comes to doing deals and and getting getting properties you have to understand how offers work you have to understand how to make an offer. You have to understand a seller's motivations. You have to understand the auction's motivations or the tenant's, mo uh, or the, the, pardon me, or the owner's motivations to sell. I think if you're able to structure a deal correctly, if you're able to come in at the right price, then actually you, you, the, the value that you add is whether you go permitted development or whether you go full planning or whether you title split or whether you do an extension or whether you do a refurb or whether you buy, refurb, rent, resell, refinance or whatever you're looking at doing. Um, I think it, it's, it's important to understand that you make your money at the point of purchase. So understanding how to make an offer, um, uh, understanding what the motivations of the agent, the auctioneer, the seller, the sellers are is key in understanding how to best position your your offer um i'll use one strategy i'll tell you one strategy that i use it's quite a profane strategy but if there's no children listening i'll, I'll go for it i use the uh, shit sandwich um offer strategy so that's in writing i go in with three price levels and the three price levels are based on three um uh, arrangements uh, so the first one will be i will give you a buy it now price this price is likely to be slightly below the guide price, but it is, and it's probably going to be an unconditional immediate offer. And those are the types that I'll probably do at auction. Uh, again, at auction, I'll be putting in an underwrite offer. Again, the underwrite offer is going to be where I perceive the reserve to be, either just above or just below. Uh, depends on where I perceive the risk. And then there will be uh, here is my um, conditional offer, uh, and I will JV with you. I will add the value, uh, and we will split the difference. Um, and that's how I structure offers generally. So if I'm going to, if I'm offering the underwrite and it's not at auction, it's normally with a commercial agent, uh, then the way I offer that is I pay the commercial agent's fees so they don't get upset. I then take that property, put it into the auction, pre-sold to me as the underwriter at a good level and I wait for it to sell above and then I, I do a profit split on that so it's all about how you structure your entry 
Um, I think, again, understanding how offers work, how to position them, how to position yourself. Um, before you even position your offer, you have to, you have to qualify yourself as, a, as, as, as someone who is able to do these things. So I think initially I always say, oh, you know, um, I've brought in this area before, or I'm this kind of investor, I've done all truthful stuff. You just tell them what it is, make it very easy for them to find you. I think at the bottom of my signature, it's always got my social media links, so someone can click on that and be satisfied very early on that they're dealing with someone who understands property, they know what they're doing. Um, you have to understand when someone's selling a property, whether it's a buyer's market or a seller's market, they have the asset. You want that asset. So they have the power there. So the trick is to, um, you know, try and move the odds into your favor. And you can do that just by positioning, by positioning yourself as an investor and by positioning your offers effectively. Key insights there. We, we actually follow a similar uh, technique of, of we actually dual offer and then we have a like a plan B offer when they reject the dual offer, which is uncon and, and conditional. So we have a very similar technique. Um, but I, I completely agree with everything you said. And, and you don't have to, it doesn't have to be an auction scenario to be doing the techniques. You said it can be open market too. And Ben and I follow a, a technique. We think that there's value add when you offer on the terms of your offer, on the design and on the delivery, on the funding and on the exit. So again, value adding at each at where you can is, is, is key, especially in these moments in the market. Um, so thanks very much there, Jay. And I'm sure we'll come back to where we, we think you, well, you think that you see the opportunity is. So last but not least, uh, we, we've tracked back to Dorian. So Dorian, do you want to add more of an insight which you touched on earlier of, of what you've been up to, how you structure your deals and, and how that may have changed recently. It sounds like you've got a huge pipeline, so it might not be masses of change, but we're keen to hear. Sure, well, I was gonna say it was save the best to last, but it's quite evident I do not have that caliber in this current meeting. But, but no, uh, first, first thing, everybody listening, you're doing the right thing just by being on this uh, web, on, on the Zoom chat. I mean. The, the speakers already, uh, everything they've shared, the, the knowledge and, and insights is, is extremely valuable. <clears throat> I've been making notes, so it's, it's, all, it's been useful for me, and I've got no doubt it's been useful for everybody else that's listening. So look, you know, the, the, the tips already shared, they're, they're, they're fundamental, really. There's not much more I can add on to what the people have said, so I'm just gonna do it from my perspective and just add a couple of points as to what we're doing, and hopefully it helps any of you. So as I've said that we have a social and disabled housing development company in South Wales. On the flip side of that as well, I'm also involved, and I've been involved since I was, uh, since I was quite young, in our family portfolio, and that is our investment portfolio, and that comprises residential, commercial, and semi-commercial. Um, it has about 150 properties in that are all held for uh, an investment point of view. So that is what, uh, so I'm looking at it from two points, two hats effectively. We've got our investment and uh, we've got the, well, I've got the construction development company. Um, and from, from the investment point of view, we've still been buying, we've still been acquiring properties. We haven't, we haven't sort of, even though the market's technically in some kind of frozen state, it's still moving. Uh, and we've, we've acquired two properties in the last week. Now those have been cash acquisitions, um, in, 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 in any market, there's always a small percentage of the market that there's, you know, there's sellers that need to sell, you know, as soon as possible. They're either distressed or like what Jay specializes in, they've got serious problems and you need to overcome them. So we still, we still acquire those uh, and then we just add value and we, we retain them. From the construction and development point of view, 
that there is more of a medium to long-term play business. But I'll be completely honest with you. Uh, you know, when I left school, I set up a business when I was 16. It was a letting agency and I've been in business and probably ever since. And I've made a tremendous amount of mistakes. In fact, the majority of things I do today is because of all the mistakes I've made. And one key thing to anybody listening here, everyone's going to be at different uh, sort of starting points, knowledge, knowledge gaps, etc. But you're going to make mistakes, um, you know, along the way all the time, even the most experienced people still do. It's not, it's not being worried about making the mistake. It's just trying to manage your risk in a way that any mistakes to, that, that get made, they're not going to cripple you and you can learn from them and take them forward into the next round when you go again. So one thing that, uh, that we do at the moment is we specialize in social disabled because it, it is, as well as it has a social impact and it, it, you know, it's helping solve an affordable sort of cri housing crisis. One of the main reasons was because we was doing, well, I was doing private development, development originally and I made a mistake. Uh, I underestimated the market and we did a site and I couldn't get out of it. So it was going wrong. It was going pear-shaped. Um, <laughs> luckily, it did get out of it in the end. But at that point of view, was working with investors. We had, we had development finance on there, etc. cetera. So uh, everything, was, everything was sorted in the end. Nobody lost. Everything was good. Um, but what it did, it made me realize a, a key thing uh, that risk management was something that I was underestimating. And in a rising market, any mistake you make will get masked by the rising market. But in a stagnant, or frozen or falling market, any mistake you have made can become catastrophic. And that's one thing I realized quite early. So, you know, I had a good word with myself um, and I, I suggest people do too. And I asked myself, what is my risk profile? Honestly. Because one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in property has been because I've been chasing money. I.e., I was looking at opportunities and saying I can make I can make twenty thousand in this. I can make a hundred thousand. Oh my God, this deal make me, will make me a million. <laughs> but what I didn't do was look at the ninety nine percent of other factors that come into play. To that if you hit everything right, you will make that money. But what what is the likelihood of that happening? So you know, I had a good word myself. Uh, addressed my risk appetite. Realized I didn't like what I was doing. My business, I didn't feel was scalable. I wasn't in a good liquid position to scale it to the point where I wanted to. So how was I going to change that? And, you know, touching on a point with what Patrick was saying, you know, the, 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 the source where I was getting my funds from, you know, it, again, it wasn't. When I set my own risk appetite and my actual business model, the, everything, looking back, like Steve Jobs says, you could, only when you look back, you can actually connect the dots. I realized they weren't connecting. So I had to readjust my plan, move it forward. I'm into social and disabled housing now because I'm forward selling these developments. So before I'm actually committing significant sums, before I'm acquiring, uh, or sorry, before I'm actually in the build uh, and, and be having uh, obligations in terms of finance, my contract with the housing association, housing association is already in. So I've de-risked heavily that way on the exit. So what, what COVID-19 has done for me, really, yes, it's affected my business. Our sites are on stop. We've had funding lines that have been paused. We've had funding lines that have been pulled. And that just comes back to Patrick's key point about making sure you have the right funding in place. So that's something that we are focusing significantly on and are currently having conversations with family offices and structured funds, just like he said, it's, 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 it's bang on. So uh, you know, those that are more commercially minded and have the actual liquid position to stay in the game and not be scared out of the market when it does turn. There are always going to be bad points. Obviously, COVID-19 is terrible in terms of the health impact it's having, but also from the financial impact. Like I said, the markets are currently frozen, so we don't actually know 
the, the impact it's going to definitely have. Nobody, nobody knows. And you know, they're not as liquid as the stock markets, which will have a, an immediate reaction, which we've seen. But one thing's for sure, just as, just as John said, that unemployment is, you know, it, it's increasing massively. And because of that, and because of the, the media and the, 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 the state of play, the mindset, the scaredness in the market, that really is only telling you that it's only it's going to have a, a quite a negative impact on terms of demand. It, it's not it's not going to say that the, the people don't need to move because look we're in a housing crisis. I think everybody knows that we're not building enough and there's a shortfall. But there's going to be a period of time where it is the the, the fear is crippling and I don't and obviously that normally means it's going to react negatively in the property market. But I don't know how long it's going to go on for. So I suppose to answer the question, what we're actually doing is, and this is some tips I recommend some people do. Cranfield Business School teaches uh, a three-step model, which is it starts with, where are, you, where are you now? Where do you wanna go? How are you gonna get there? It's three steps. One big thing I recommend everybody do, is what we've done, is be completely honest with yourself and say, right, where am I right now? I know some people have touched on mortgage, what they call mortgage holidays, but I don't like that either. I think someone put in the chat is more like mortgage deferred payment plan. But either way, you've got to be completely honest. You know, where am I right now? What is my position? Am I going to run out of money next week? Or you know, have I got sufficient funds to keep me going? And once you understand your position uh, in terms of your current assets and your personal position, then you can readjust and say, like, where, where am I going to go? What, what is actually I want to focus on? You know, like I did, I reassessed my business model, realized it wasn't working for me, and I changed it. It's the perfect opportunity to do that. And then the third step, which you can only do after you've, once you've answered the first two, is you then map out where it is, uh, how you're going to get there. And for us, one big thing that we've done as well, which I recommend anybody do, everyone's going to be suffering some pain points. In the investment company, I've already talked about the construction ones, but in the investment company, our big pain point is our commercial tenants. Uh, nearly all of them um, was getting in touch with us that they couldn't pay, needed to have, um, have some payment plans. The residential side was fine, but the commercial got, you know, got really hit. Luckily, they started to have the grants and they started to pay us back. But ultimately, that was where one of the risks were. And this is a perfect time for anybody in the business to really highlight and say, look, where is my pain points right now? What am I having trouble with? What's really affecting my business? And put those in big capital letters and say to yourself, how can I change this? Or how can I put mitigation measures in place so that if the market turns or if anything bad happens again, at least I'll be prepared so my biggest pain point now won't reoccur. It's not that you're not gonna have bad times, it's just trying to take the lessons that we're getting told right now and making sure that we're not ignoring them. And that's something that we're focusing heavily on. And like I said, just before COVID-19, I'll be completely honest, I was getting a little bit carried away and was being really bullish on the market. You know, we was doing unconditional acquisitions. Uh, we, you know, everything was, was great. We're not in any financial problem. We're actually, luckily enough, touch wood, we're, we're okay. But what it's made me realize again was the market is telling me that you need to adhere to your risk principles. So at the moment, in terms of buying strategies, we're heavily focusing on options, overages things like that on the development side of things this is really gonna it, i believe it's going to allow more creative opportunities to arise you know i don't know about you and your individual markets but where i was it was very much so a seller's market it was difficult really to negotiate in certain points because before covid19 you know everything there was a lot of activity there was a lot of other people if you weren't interested in buying and again there was people being bullish but at the moment 
hope well what i'm thinking is that it's going to change and it's going to allow it's going to hopefully slip into more of a buyer's market but even though that you don't have to go and buy things unconditionally in certain circumstances you could do more creative opportunities which what we're going to be heavily heavily focusing on options and overages things like that but on the investment side we're still you know our kind of criteria for investment properties still hasn't changed you know it's got to be something we can add value in it's got to be something that you know that 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 sound a sound investment and we're going to hold it for the long term anyway so we're still buying on that point of view but hopefully that gives you a little bit of a um a little bit of a flavor as to what we've done and hopefully it can help people one big key point before i pass over is that look remember well this is something i tell myself perseverance you know this is property investment or trading or development it is a business and businesses do go through ups and they also go through downs and some you know all the lessons we've getting told right now is the perfect time to just harness them restructure your business plan if it's not sound highlight your target and pain points build them into your new revised model persevere and keep, keep going as everybody knows the path to success and failure is virtually the same but real failure is when you just completely give up or cash out so um, I'm reading one book at the moment on, on the financial markets, and it's got a good quote in there. I'm, I'm terrible for quotes and analogies. I just, I just love them. But one thing it says, and uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so I might get it wrong. But it says that, um, <laughs> you know, my mind's gone black. But ultimately, the bottom line is, is that what it says, you can only bet if you put your chips in. I don't like comparing property with betting, but what it's saying, you can only bet if you put your, if you put your chips in. That's the first rule. So that, what, what that's saying is, look, if you, can, if you want to make money, you have to still be active. But the second point is, and this is very clear, is if you lose your chips, you're out of the game. You can't bet. Just what Warren Buffett says, the first rule, don't lose money. Second rule, don't forget rule number one. Hopefully that helps you guys. Thank you very much, Dorian. I'm, uh, I'm very impressed of, of how you delivered that message. It was... Uh almost like you had prepared it, but it sounds like you've used this time to make sure that you're sticking to your principles and really understanding why you set out in the first place. Uh, and, and exactly like you say, a, a rising market, you can make mistakes, but in a falling market, it, it really highlights those areas of the business, which, um, which may form issues. So key insights. I, I really enjoyed that, actually. Thanks very much, Dorian. I look forward to uh, coming back to you shortly. So we've got five minutes left before Brendan kicks the panel into the rooms. So with the last five minutes, as we have five panelists, I would like a 40 second overview on where you see the opportunity over the next few months, bringing us out the end of, of 2020. So we'll start with Pat and work our way back down to Dorian, and then Brendan will be bringing in the room. So if you haven't allocated a room for yourself, let, let, make sure you do that now. Um, so we'll, Pat, we'll start with Pat. Pat, 40 seconds on where you see opportunity to help people in this group uh, sort of structure their next few weeks. Well, that's a big question. Uh, I'll go back to what I said in the, uh, the first uh, run through, and that is uh, stay awake because the opportunities, it would be foolish of me to try and predict exactly where the opportunity is going to arise because they will arise in every sector of the market. You always uh, get people in a situation like this needing to sell quickly. So be ready to move quickly would be the answer. But uh, don't move quickly on the wrong deal. Stay awake uh, to what the market is doing. Because you might think when something goes down by 
20%, it's a great deal, but maybe it's going down to 40% because of very intringent uh, circumstances relating to that property or that deal. So be alert, be on the ball, stay away. Very, very short and sweet and, and pretty much being on your A game and staying awake. Very good. Um, we'll, we'll go with, I believe, next is Neil. Neil, any short, short, short snippets of where Yeah, really, really enjoying the course and fantastic content um, from, from everyone here. Um, so for me personally, uh, kind of specialising in the student market, we do see some opportunities there. Student market has been very challenging for many landlords anyway for a number of years who may be providing uh, substandard quality accommodation and they were already struggling to fill their rooms. And I think uh, going to see more and more landlords start to sell properties. So in Article 4 areas where it's traditionally been hard to get a foot in the door there, I think there will be some more opportunities there. Um, and also, um, in terms of purchase lease options, I think that's going to be a really great strategy. I know you don't, because they like to use the term strategy, or a great tool, I should say, to, to use here. I think it's going to be very uh, attractive to, uh, to many landlords. Fantastic. And John, John Howard? John, you're, hang on one second, you're on mute. Brendan? There we go. Far away, John. I'm sure it was great nuggets that we missed there. <laughs> well, Dorin was absolutely right, of course. You know, this market finds us all out. Any weakness, it will find you. So if you have any weaknesses, try and tighten those up in the, you know, while we're in lockdown so that when you come out of lockdown, you're a little bit sharper, you're a little bit more on the ball than you are now. And the one, quick, the one thing I'm going to say to you is auctions. Auctions. If you do nothing else, um, really, really uh, research the auction market and auctions because that's where the first opportunities will be. Will be. Fantastic. Auctions from John. Key, okay, and Jay, other than auctions, because he's probably... Sorry, near. Jay, sorry. <laughs> Damn it. Um, uh, he's absolutely right. It's a barometer of the market in general. It's something that you need to have that access to that area of the market. It will be the first to change. It will be the first to grow. You need to be on that ledge ready to jump in, in there. So all, all, research as much as possible. For me, the future is just, just being flexible, creating opportunities where um, there's, there's great capacity to add value um, and you're not necessarily tied in. And if you are tied in, you're longing the market rather than shorting the market. Um, I think it, you really getting a hand on what your risk profile is 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 a massive thing i know i touched it i know dorian touched on it john's got really good points on that as well just understanding that uh actual it will enable you to go out into the market with with a greater degree of focus and actually pinpoint deals that you want rather than deals you feel you need to do i don't feel you need to do anything in this market you have to want to do it, it has to make sense and understand that if it's if it doesn't look like a deal it doesn't smell taste or touch like a deal it's not a deal move on it'll become a deal in three months time when the market corrects itself so just just don't feel pressured fantastic and to close us off dorian your insights for for where you see opportunity yeah sure well look, i mean what what everyone's just said there is uh you know the golden points really i mean auctions you know, they, they're going to be uh, they're going to be potentially a good source because any people that are normally distressed 
one of the first thing they do if they go to Google nowadays, auction companies or estate agents come out, but if they need to move fast, everybody knows about auctions, especially if they've got problems. But one thing I would say, ultimately, um, the biggest, the biggest sort of golden tip, you can find opportunities on all walks of, uh, of the globe, really. I mean, we've, we've acquired such from Gumtree, from just letters, through auctions, through just open mic, through recommendations. That the key thing really is, is sticking to your criteria and do not become a motivated buyer. Just because everybody, or just because if you start talking to people, they're getting hyped up and saying, look, if you do not buy now, you're going to miss an opportunity. Just exactly what I think Jay just said, stick to your criteria, don't rush. Most of my mistakes have come from rushing and chasing money. But now I just make sure money is a byproduct of the service and product that I want to deliver. So if you can try and adopt a mentality kind of like that, then you don't become as motivated and hopefully you don't make as many mistakes. But that's what I would say. Fantastic. So to overview the panel and thank you very much for, for, for everyone setting a time aside this morning to be on the panel. I know that we probably wanted uh, a little bit longer, but everyone's got to get about their day and, and start implementing these nuggets that we've pulled on the conversation. I'm sure the individuals that were on the panel wouldn't mind a message if you do have any further questions for them. Obviously, we have the opportunity to go into the rooms now. Jack? Uh, for Jack. Some smaller groups and questions. But to tie it off, we've got We've got tips on staying awake and keeping active, focus on auctions, uh, making sure that you're, you're abiding by your risk profile because it's pretty risky at the minute if you're doing the wrong things uh, and, and don't rush. Um, so some key nuggets there. And I'm now going to pass on to Brendan, who's been hounding me for the last 10 minutes, telling me to hurry up. So Brendan, it's all you now. Okay. Well, it's not quite all me, but one thing I want to do is take a snapshot of the uh, video cameras. So those of you who are, um, Richard, can I just encourage you to have your screenshot on? Brilliant. So I'm just going to take a screenshot just so I can put on Facebook and other places, Michelle, Brown or Roy, can I encourage you to? Brilliant. Okay. Um, second thing, uh, look, James, we haven't heard anything from yourself, so I'm keen so you know who my sponsors are because, look, the reason why this is not a sales event, i.e. for you to book at 997-1997-4997, is I have sponsors, and that's really made a huge difference. Um, James, look, I can go on and on, but about yourself uh, from Connection. Hi everyone. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to uh, firstly say normally I'm kind of towards the beginning of this, so I, I don't get to um, talk a little bit about uh, uh, what I've just heard. It's it's absolutely amazing to be able to sponsor um, a lineup like this um, and have such great conversations. So I, I'm really happy. I'm from Connection. Uh, Connection is a, um, a software solution that um, helps uh, when you have a lettings portfolio. Um, it enables um, you to manage that portfolio more effectively. Um, if I quote Dorian, um, I, I love his where now, where go, um, and how to get there. We're, we're about the how to get there. Um, as you're considering scaling your business, um, as you're looking at outsourcing maybe um, to for more operational staff, um, the technology just helps bring everything together so that you're, um, you're not losing work, you're, you're completely on top of uh, rents that are due, your obligations towards your house, whether it's gas certificates or otherwise, uh, it takes it allows you to holistically manage um, that that lettings portfolio. And you could be a single portfolio landlord, a multi portfolio landlord, or a lettings agent. Uh, but um, 
but yeah, um, it's been a it's been a great session. I am um, it, it makes me proud to, uh, to to sponsor you, Brendan, at this point when uh, when you're able to bring together um, people and have the conversation. Um, but um, if you want to um, um, join us in the room, I will happily talk about it uh, uh, with with Neil. It seems. Um, which is great, um, but just generally, um, if you want to listen to the inspiring Richard um, in about two minutes, or, or any of the other groups, okay. and then ping me a um, ping a note, uh, drop me a, uh, a message. I'm happily do any form of demos or walkthroughs just around mm. scaling that operational business, specifically in in handling lettings, whether it's HMOs or uh, single lets. Sure. But, so uh, as as James says. Uh, online and we will be catching up online to do um, a webinar session myself and James at some point during COVID-19. Paul was there anything you want to add because I just want to open the rooms up. No not at all I'm all good here thank you. So Paul's in um, room one from Ronald Fletcher Baker he's one of the partners massive thanks. Um, so if you haven't allocated room two is alternative funding with crowd with us rob wilkinson i don't know where rob is on the screen he's disappeared um, you, are, uh, you are there um so anything to add about crowd with us before i open the rooms up uh i mean anyone wants to know we're still lending there's uh, there's still uh, plenty of opportunity out there um yeah come to the room and uh, uh we can tell you more i would say it's a good time now to uh, there's a lot of uh, companies offering uh, a lot of education. So um, just uh, just spend the time rather than rushing. Everyone's just said it already, but uh, on the, on the, yeah, educating yourself and learning more. So just to remind you, room one with Sam, Daryl from Lendworld, Sam from Bond, and Paul Pinder from rfblegal.co.uk. I mentioned room three, uh, design and surveying, Ben Richards, and or from our Aura Architecture. Room four, uh, connection and Neil Chowdhury. Room five is the uh, Richard Forbes finding your edge, and room six is the bonus room, uh, which is with Pat Conlon and John Howard. So, look, I'm going to open the rooms up now. I'm going to stop recording. Hopefully, it does stop recording, um, and open the rooms up for you.